Hey, everybody. Welcome to Queer Culture, episode 38, your one-stop shop for quips, queries, and status quo quaking content. I'm your host, Corey, and I use she, her pronouns. And I am your co-host, Monica, and I also use she, her pronouns. And today, we will be talking about two queer saints, St. Bridget and St. John the Apostle. Queer culture. 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 <laughs> um, how was your Christmas, Corey? Uh, it was good. It was very low key. It was just Reeve and I. We really just like hung out. Like we didn't like do anything. That's see, like, that's nice. I like that. Yeah, like Christmas Eve, we went to Target and we like bought each other like little like stocking stuff or presents Aww, like separately cute. and then we opened those on christmas day that's um, sweet but yeah we just like chilled we like didn't do anything i love that it was very nice i love that good for you guys it's been a stressful year for both of you so you know i'm glad that you both just got a chance to just literally not do fucking anything and just relax like good for you guys i'm very glad for that yeah <laughs> well yeah. i had texted you about it but i had a little bit of a stressful christmas eve with my family and things like that but i am leaving tomorrow i'm gonna be in north carolina for new year's which I'm really excited about. Um, I'm visiting a friend and her family down there with some other friends. But oh my god! So our other friend, our other two friends, were also supposed to come with us. And then my friend, who's hosting us down in North Carolina, she texts us today and she's like, "Oh, they won't be coming. They're a couple. They won't be coming because they just got COVID. Like one of them has COVID. Like, uh oh, um, they just got it from their aunt on Christmas Eve." Oh my goodness. And they already feel like crap. And both of their families got exposed. So I'm like, great. That's that's just wonderful. That's just great. So dodging a bullet, basically. I am just thankful that he got symptoms this quickly. Right. This quick. And not while he was in the <laughs> And not Carolina. while we were on After the exposing plane. all of you. Yeah. Right. Like, oh my God. Thank God. <laughs> Um, but so I'm excited for that. I'm really excited for that. But I told you after this, I have to pack. So I'm like, mm-hmm. let's go, Lego. Uh, but so for today, what we'll be talking about? Um, a little bit in the. I mean, it's just because we're Catholic. Well, I mean, I'm Catholic. I was raised Catholic. I don't know if you were raised Catholic, but. I was indeed. I was going to say, like, we both walked those. <laughs> Irish Catholic, baby. <laughs> Roman Catholic, all that, you know. <laughs> yep, same yep. thing, same thing. <laughs> but um, in our Christmas spirit, because what's Christmas without a little bit of good Catholic guilt and saints and all that? Um, I'm going to, so originally I was just going to do like, uh, like four or five saints or whatever. Um, but then it was just a lot of information and I was like, like I could do like, there's, there are, there were a lot of saints to choose from of like queer coded saints kind of, or like saints that now have kind of like put on like an LGBT spin or whatever, like this great website that I found where this one woman, she writes like 
every single article is written by her where she just like talks about how queer saints are and how they can be read queer and it's really really cool so we will be talking about two different saints today um one is saint bridget and the other is saint um john the apostle and i don't know if john sounds familiar but he's one of the uh, 12 apostles like he's the john the John, the John that we're talking about, but okay. But let me start with Bridget first. Well, actually, first I'm starting out with the actual website. So anyway, so I chose. Well, I found this um, website a while ago, and I remember I can't remember how we had found it. I think it was when I was just like searching for stuff, and like Reeve had looked at it as well. But it's QSpirit.net. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was in like, because originally I was going to do, um, so first I had a bunch of different ideas for what I was going to do for this topic. Originally I was going to do like all the technical stuff behind Rocky Horror, um, because I'm going to be seeing it in like two weeks from now or so. Um, our friend's boyfriend is going to be in a production of it. And, um, I'm really excited about that. So, originally, I was going to do that, like, all the technical stuff, like, how it was filmed, the location, all that. But I was like, that's a that's a big undertaking, I feel like. And <laughs> then I was going to do, like, John Waters and, like, this movie called Female okay. Trouble, which has the, um, has the drag star Divine in it. But it's, like, a lot happens in the film. Like, the character that Divine plays, like, kills her own daughter. Like, it's a lot. Oh my! It's a, it's a wild story. Like he had these three movies. Um, here, wait, let me look them up. So John Waters, it's a dark comedy film, of course. <laughs> so he wrote it, and it was intended to be in a trio with these other two movies. Okay, they're called like the Trash Trio or something. Which okay. I love. <laughs> like, that's what he, like, it, and it's just, like, all very strange movies that, uh, yeah, so they're called Pink Flamingos, Female Trouble, and Desperate Living. And they're part of his trash trilogy. Which, I just love that name. But, yeah, they're all very weird and gross. Like, one of them eats dog, <laughs> like, Divine eats dog poop. It's wild. Oh, well, yeah, it's really weird. So I originally was going to do Female Trouble because the first scene in it takes place on Christmas. And then I was like, yeah. I'm going to have to watch this. And then I was like, I really don't want to watch this right now. So uh, <laughs> you were like, this is not like, put me in the Christmas spirit. Yeah, I was like, I'm really <laughs> not feeling like watching this, like watching anybody <laughs> kill anybody or anything. Um, so then I finally went to the good old idea tab, the good old idea document that we had, and I found this, so I was like, let me do these guys instead, and then I just found so many saints, so I was like, you know what, I am just gonna choose two, and go from there, and I don't know, like, in the future, I'll do, like, a couple more every now and then, like, if you want to do a couple, you can, like... I think this is like a theme, like, am I the asshole? 
<laughs> but alrighty. So let me get us started here. So, so many of my sources were from qspirit.net. Like I mentioned before, and that's like the biography of the author, Kittredge Cherry. That's her name. Damn. Like, all right. That's her name. I love that. Good for you. And I know, right? Oh my God. Um, and like the about page, uh, the, just the list of saints, um, Bridget and Dal, Darlagdach, which is, um, her companion or her soulmate or her soul okay. friend, I think it's called. Um, the qspirit.net page for John the Evangelist, who is also John the Apostle. Um, the Wikipedia page for Bridget of Kildare. Um, the Wikipedia page for George Villiers, who was James V's favorite. So he's back again. Okay. Another reoccurring character on queer culture. He's back. Um, but just for a quick quote, not for anything huge. Um, the Wikipedia page for syncretism. Um, my so-called gaylife.co.uk, which this is an article from July 2020 about St. Bridget, St. Bridget and Darlagdach. An Eternal Love Story of Two Celtic Nuns, which is very cute. Um, Headstuff.org, uh, The Ten Times St. Bridget Was a Badass. Um, Wikipedia page for Platilla Nelly. Um, all right, so this is the Q Spirit mission statement. So on their about page for the QSpirit.net website, this is kind of their mission statement. It says, Q Spirit promotes LGBTQ spirituality with saints, history, art, and books. The website fosters religious and artistic freedom by teaching love for all people, regardless of sexual orientation or gender identity. It expands the meaning of holiness for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning LGBTQ people of faith and allies. So sick. Love this. Very cool. Very cool. Um, the Q Spirit Project comes from lesbian Christian author Kittredge Cherry. So we will talk a little bit more about her, um, in a second. She founded JesusInLove.org in 2005 and she launched the now website Q Spirit in 2016. Um, so Kittredge Cherry, she was born in a secular family in 1957 in, I think, Montana. Let me just double check them. Born and raised in Iowa. So I was really wrong with Montana. <laughs> I was pretty wrong, I would say. Maybe they're close to each other. I don't know. Um, but so, like I said, she was born in a secular family in 1957. And in 1975, during her freshman year at the University of Iowa, she met her future spouse, Audrey Lockwood. During the freshman year, and they have basically been together People ever have since. Names. I know, right? And they've been together basically ever since, which I think is so cute. Her and her wife, like they've been stick, yeah, since 1975. Um, so she was working as a journalist around there for a few years, and then during grad school, she lived in Japan for three years, and it was through a Rotary International Scholarship for Journalists. Um, she studied at the International Christian University in Tokyo and Kobe College, and she was also a freelance writer while she lived there. Um, I was trying to find much information about this book, but I couldn't. 
I don't know what it's about. The title is a little weird, but, um, like, um, she wrote a book called Woman's Ward, What Japanese Words Say About Women. And I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Name. All right. I mean, All that. well, I, if you've read it, let me know. Like, sounds cool. <laughs> let us know. Like, um, <laughs> We shall see. It became a bestseller, though. So, <clears throat> I hope it was good. I hope it was good. But, you know, Mein Kampf was a bestseller, too, so whatever. Yeah, literally. Um, so, she was 25 or 26 when her father's sudden unexpected death happened in 1983. Uh-oh. Yeah, unfortunately. And that was when she was still living in Japan. And it led to a spiritual crisis and a religious conversion experience. And I'm like, damn, that literally just happened to me. My dad just died. I was 24. Is that, is that what's gonna, am I going on a, am I going to have a spiritual crisis? And go on a religious right. conversion experience, or do I just need medication? Whatever. Let's think. Let's think. Let's think. Um, but so she was baptized at age 26 at Kobe Union Church, which is an interdenominational church in Kobe, Kobe, Japan. And then after her and her wife came out as a couple in 1985, she followed a call to ministry while she was living in California. Um, so she has right. written a ton of books. Um, this is in order of most recent to oldest. So in 2014, she wrote The Passion of Christ, A Gay Vision, which me every day when I wake up. Um, <laughs> 2008, Jesus in Love at the Cross. 2007, Art That Dares, Gay Jesus, Woman, Christ, and More, Mood. Um, 2006, Jesus in Love, a novel. 2006, Hide and Speak, a coming out guide. I think some of these are like shorter pamphlet things, I assume. Like two books in one year, Queen. Um, and then she also wrote another book, Equal Rights, Lesbian and Gay Worship Ceremonies and Celebrations. Um, and her books have also been translated into German, Polish, Chinese, and Japanese. Anyway, also, go ahead. I was looking her up and she tweeted 17 minutes ago and she said, Queen John the Evangelist is considered to be Jesus's beloved disciple and possible lover. John's feast day is December 27th. Literally, the love between Jesus and John has been celebrated by artists, writers, and musicians since medieval times. She spoiled it. I literally, that was part of the thing later. I was going to be like, guess what his feast day is? <laughs> like, I was going to, that's literally why I chose this topic also, because so I was like, oh my God, that's his feast day. Like, wow. Okay, I'm going to follow this queen on Twitter now. All right, anyway. So, <laughs> we uh, just went down a hole looking at Kitchen Sherry's um, social media. Uh, but yeah, Woman's Word was written in 1987. So, yeah, that was her first book that she had written. Um, but so then, in the early 2000s, she turned to online ministry after she, this was on her website and her bio. It said that she had chronic fatigue syndrome and, you know, that kind mm. of like it had her living more of a contemplative life at home. So in 2005, she launched JesusInLove.org and it was promoting artistic and religious freedom and showing God's love for all people, regardless of sexual orientation or gender identity, which hot. And 
since then, it has grown into now include qspear.net, which was my source for a lot of this stuff, plus a popular blog and a newsletter as well, which I signed up for, of course. Um, readers call it inspiring, informative, and always fabulous. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the blog surpassed 3 million page views in its first 15 years, which is, that is impressive, but I love how, oh, I right. love that quote. I love how it's phrased. <laughs> um, but so all of the articles that I got from qspear.net is written by our friend Kittrich Cherry here. Um, but so my, so I just have two saints that we're going to be talking about today. Um, the first one are actually two Irish saints. And, Hell yeah. Yeah. and the second one, like I said, is John the Apostle. So. Bridget and Darlegdach. Saint Bridget and her soulmate Darlegdach were sixth century Irish nuns who brought art, education, and spirituality to early medieval Ireland. Um, so she was born in the year 451 AD and she died in 525 AD. So that's a good, that's a good like 75 years, like 74 right, years. That's not bad at all. Especially for that time oh period. Oh my God, seriously. <laughs> for real um but so there are three kind of painted saints of ireland so this person this chick bridget um there is someone else named columba who had spread christianity and then then pagan britain and ireland and then patrick like saint patrick's day patrick and Bridget. Yeah. So these three mm-hmm. saints, they are the three patron saints of Ireland. So this chick, yep. she's up there. Like they all lived in the fifth and sixth centuries. So like a lot of them were born in like 400 or 500 around that time. Um, but I thought that this was interesting as well. Um, Christianity moved into Ireland in 435 AD. So with St. Patrick coming back to town. So I didn't know this about St. Patrick's story. So St. Patrick. The St. Patrick. I did not know this about him. So he wrote this autobiographical thing, Confessio of Patrick. He was at 16 and he was captured by Irish pirates from his home in Britain. Mm-hmm. And he was taken as a slave to Ireland and he was looking after animals for a couple of years. Um, he lived there for six years and then he escaped and he was able to go back to his family. Um, and then he became a cleric and then he went back to Northern and Western Ireland. And um, then he spent like all of this time, like converting the Gaelic Kings to Catholicism. And that's why he's like the celebrated guy now. That's why yep. I like did not know that. Oh my god! Yeah, I had no idea because it said that he goes back to Ireland, and I was like, he wasn't just born there. Like that's weird. Nope, okay. he wasn't Irish at all. <laughs> I I feel lied to. I but I feel lied to. <laughs> I like him. My mom just brought in velvet pants, <laughs> and they look Ooh. very comfy. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to pack. That was a suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep this in if you want. <laughs> um, um, and so then as well in later life, um, St. Patrick served as a bishop. Um, but so right around the time that all three of these people were like born and walking around, like that's when Christianity started becoming like super big. So I feel like it makes sense that like 
these three people that were so influential were like canonized, like because they were like, we need saints now. Boom, you, boom, you, you, yeah, chick, right. you, let's go. Like I, I was like, oh, that's funny. Um, but so her feast day is the first of February, and that was originally the same day as a pagan festival called Imbolc, which kind of marked the beginning of spring because February first, it's like halfway between the winter solstice and the spring equinox, which I think is really cool. Um, and she also, and you know, Christians just love stealing pagan holidays. Literally, them. Um. Like literally though. Um, but so she fair shares the same feast day as um Darluchdak and like tradition kind of says this is what Wikipedia says, so I don't know if it's true. But um tradition says that Darluchdak was her was Bridget's student, close companion, and the woman who succeeded her. So when Bridget died, she was like the head None or whatever, None. yeah. After okay. she passed in um their okay. abbess. Abbot? Abbess. It was an abbess. Um but so Bridget the Saint, okay. she has the same name as a goddess mm-hmm. of Gaelic Ireland. So a lot of people speculate if she is a real person. Um mm-hmm. yes. Interesting. Okay. Which is why I kind of mentioned that she lived i'm saying now i'm saying lived in quotes she lived in the same time that christianity started becoming really big in ireland so a lot of people think that they just kind of they took this goddess of gaelic ireland just turned her into a saint to be like Mm. oh look we can keep her now like she's christian now like and so when that happens that's called syncretism so that's the combining of different beliefs and various schools of thought um it also involves the merging or assimilation of several mythologies or religions and, like, it kind of, like, makes it more inclusive and stuff like that. It also happens in arts and polics- politics. It's just when, like, something becomes different just through association. Right. So a lot of people think she's just, like, a Christianized version of the goddess, essentially. But, like, who knows? Like, she could be real. She couldn't be. I mean, there's a real person who became super popular at this time. And they wanted her to become a saint. And they were just, like, your name's Bridget now. Like, whatever. And also, of course, like, right. there are, like, 12, mil- 12 million name iterations for Bridget as well. Like, oh my god, yeah, it's so popular. Of course, and like, I'm saying it because it's spelled B-R-I-G-I-D, like that's how I saw it spelled most of the time for her, so I'm just saying it that way. Um, But so, a lot of people just argue, like I said, a lot of people argue that she was a real person, but you know, just rumors, gossip, mythos, it just she just becomes attributed with like the goddess's attributes. It's like mm-hmm. when people say like Jesus was a real person, a hundred percent, like he was real, but did he heal the sick? Did he turn water right. into wine? Like, we don't know that. Like the Bible says it happens, but we don't know that hundred percent. Right. Right. Um, But so Bridget was like if she was real, like she was raised by druids, which were just like a class of society back then. I literally was like, was she raised by like, <laughs> like tree spirits? I was like, what woodland the- witches. Literally, I was like, what the hell does that mean? Like, yeah. Um, 
if she was a real person, it, like allegedly when she was making her final vows as a nun. So, you know, like, I guess the vows for nuns versus bishops were different. So she was okay. getting her final, final vows as a nun, but the bishop's, the bishop in charge was so overcome by the Holy Spirit that he had ministered the right for ordaining a male bishop instead. So, like I said before, we were talking about how some people are just, like, not sure if she was a real person. She may have just been a go- the goddess, like, just turned into a saint. Because a lot of the stories that surround her and, like, that are attributed to her, they are, like, basically the same stories that people say of the goddess. Like, it's the same stories for the both of them. Like, allegedly, um, a male suitor, he was coming on pretty strong, so she tore his eyes out. Amazing. Like, that was it. Me too. Like, that's all. <laughs> that's that's it. <laughs> um, no big deal. Literally. Um, but so she started commons all over Ireland, Bridget, and she became the abbess of the double monastery at Kildare, and it housed men and women, which was, like, not a normal thing back then. So, um, at this time, like in the Celtic tradition, like when the understanding of love, it was based around the idea of soul love, which is called Anamkara. And that kind of translates to soul friend in Gaelic. Um, but so the phrase originally referred to someone with whom you shared a confession, revealing hidden details about yourself. So it's basically like someone you love and trust extremely deeply. And like, you can tell them anything. Like, it's basically the idea of a soulmate, like a soul friend. It's the same thing. Um, with Anamkara, your relationship transcended convention and you were joined eternally, no matter your identity or background. So it's like basically like, love will find you it's it's just true love essentially right so people claim that darlikta and bridget were each other's anamkaras or there's each other's soul friends so darlikta served as bridget's ambassador just in general and um the two women were so close that they apparently also slept in the same bed Sounds pretty gay. Sounds pretty gay to me. Um, but so like many Celtic saints, Bridget also believed that each person needs a soul friend to discover together together that God speaks most powerfully in the seemingly mundane shared details of daily life. Which is just that's just that's just being <laughs> domestic. Like that's yeah, so literally. true. <laughs> like all these saints are just being like, listen, to find God, you just have to live domestically with your wife. You and your you that's and your right. gay wife just need to live domestically together, and that's when you'll find God, which is very true, bestie. I understand it completely. Um <laughs> halfway there. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm I'm halfway there. Um, but so then unfortunately, like Christianity kind of began to move in and it became started, it started becoming like really popular. And like, um, it was overhauling the idea of traditional Celtic marriage, which was unlike Celtic marriage was just like a lot more fluid. It was less monogamous. And, um, then of course, Christianity, non procreative sex was frowned upon and the Christian ideology of marriage became super pushed in Ireland. Oh, and then this is another gay thing that happened, which I'm like, I saw this story in a couple different places, which I just, I just thought it was a weird story. Um, but so 
Darlick Da and Bridget, like they were together, but Darlick Da had like a little crush on someone else, like a guy that was working at their abbess or at their monastery. So one night she had planned to meet him secretly, but you know, she was having second thoughts. She wasn't sure if she wanted to cheat on her boo, I guess, but <laughs> so she filled her shoe, like she filled her own shoes with burning embers. Darlick Da. Okay. And she, like, her justification for it is that fate would decide if she could endure the pain of walking in them to the man. So she was like, if I think the pain of walking on the hot embers is worth it to go meet this guy, or will it make me stay in wife in bed with my girl? <laughs> but she tries it anyway. She puts the shoes on and she starts trying anyway. Um... Damn, bestie, it's not that deep. <clears throat> Literally, like, <laughs> oh my god, if this is if you put hot embers in your shoes to prevent you from going anywhere, like just break up. It doesn't sound healthy. Like, no, right? and then I saw some stories where like Bridget put the hot coals in her shoes. I'm like, what the hell? What the Literally. Hell? Um, but so Darla Dot tried though. She put the shoes on and she tried and she but she couldn't bear the pain and she returned to bed. And Bridget, I get uh, Bridget apparently was awake. She was pretending to be asleep this whole time. Oh well, this is turning into a toxic queer relationship Literally. before her eyes. Like, oh my god, like problematic gay relationships since the beginning. Like <laughs> all this drama. Oh my god. Like the Elward who? <laughs> um, um, but so Bridget knew it happened, and despite the betrayal, she cured the wounds on her feet. So, um, besides the betrayal, bitch, she put embers in her shoes so that she'd stay in bed with you. Like, what the it's hell? It's so weird. She didn't betray you. Like, she tried to, but she didn't. She did try to, but she couldn't, didn't succeed. Oh my god, it's like, just break up. This doesn't sound bad. This yeah, doesn't sound this, good. This sounds bad. No. Um, so when St. Bridget's death approached, um, and you know, they were getting to the end of their natural lives. Like they were both pretty old. Um, Darlita wished to die with her, but the saint replied that Darlita would die on the first anniversary of her own death. So Bridget died, um, the first of February in 525, which is why her feast day is that day. Feast day. Yep. The first of mm-hmm. February. And then Darla Dust su- succeeded Bridget in the Abbacy of Kildare. And then a year later, that's when Darla died. She died on the first of February, 526. Bridget really manifested that. She, really she was manifested like, that. See you in a year, bitch. I'll see you in a year, girl. Like, adios. <laughs> I'm putting out in the universe. God is listening. Truly. Um, <laughs> truly. But so her main symbols are fire, um, Bridget's symbols at least, um, wisdom, poetry, healing, and metallurgy. That's where we got the embers from. That's where we get them from. Truly. What is metallurgy? I think it's just like the making of metals. Kind of. The branch of science and technology concerned with the properties of metals and their production and purification. So I guess blacksmithing. Cool. Pop off, Bridget. That's so cool. Queen of technical stuff. Yeah, apparently. Oh, and I thought this was really cool. Um, The nuns at the Kildare Monastery, so where her like main monastery was, they kept a perpetual fire burning in Bridget's memory for more than a thousand years. I know. Oh my god, incredible. I know. 
That's powerful. But then in 1540, it was extinguished in Henry VIII's dissolution of the monasteries. So Henry VIII was fuck you, Henry. literally, he was like, fuck the church, fuck nuns, fuck monks. I'm trying to divorce my wives. Fuck you guys. <laughs> I need to divorce my wife. I cannot keep cutting their heads off. I have to literally. Them. I don't know. I don't know if this was the same freak that um was also the one who demanded that his wife get on the table and watch her give birth. I don't know if he was the pervert that wanted to do all that, but <laughs> I know one of those English kings was the perv and wanted to watch his wife give birth. Um, but so then Henry VIII was like, um, put that fire out, F that. Um, and then for about almost 300 years, the Order of St. Bridget was not reestablished until 1807. Um, and then two Brigidine sisters returned to Kildare and relit the fire in the market square for the first time in more than 400 years on February 1st, 1993. And it's been burning oh. ever since then. Yeah. Amazing. So that is about St. Brigid and St. Darlichda. What a name. Truly what a name. What a name. What is that one name. name or is that two names? Um, I saw in some... Is Darla her first name? I saw in some places it was like Dar space... Luchta, oh. or it's all one word. Imagine her first name's Darla. I'd be like, "That's Irish. <laughs> That's Irish." Um, um. So now on to our second saint, John the Apostle. So, um, he is commonly considered to be Jesus's beloved disciple, and you know, today is his feast day. Like I said, December twenty seventh. Spoiler, Spoiler alert! We spoiled it early. Yeah, we spoiled it. <laughs> we by looking on her um Twitter page. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so John was an apostle of Jesus, one of the original 12 apostles, um, and he is the presumed author of the Gospel of John, the Book of Revelations, and the Epistles of John. Um, and the, yes, right? Like a lot. Um, the Bible describes their warm relationship on multiple occasions. Um, John and his brother James left their lives as a fisherman in Galilee to follow Jesus, which they, they were like, I'm leaving. Adios, this cute guy's in town. I like what he's saying. I'm out. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, so in the Bible, um, in the Gospel of John, and in none of the other books, which I'm like, that's kind of gay. That's pretty gay. Um, there is an unnamed disciple whom Jesus loved that is referred to five times in the Gospel of John, in five different times. Interesting. And he, like I said, he's not referred to in any of the any of the other gospels. And he's not referred to by name once in here. Wait, let me let me get these five instances because these are five very important instances. So the phrase "the disciple whom Jesus loved" is used six times in the Gospel of John. I think I only said five. Yeah, I only said five times, but it's six. But in no other New Testament accounts of Jesus, that's fucked up. So the disciple whom Jesus loved is referred to specifically six times in the Gospel of John. It is this disciple who, while reclining beside Jesus at the Last Supper, this is important, asked Jesus, after being requested by Peter to do so, who is it that will betray him? So he's the one who asks, like, Jesus, who's going to betray you tonight? How do you, who do you know? Later at the crucifixion, Jesus tells his mother, woman, here is your son. And to the beloved disciple, he says, here is your mother. 
Um, Mm -hmm. When Mary Magdalene discovers the empty tomb, she runs to tell the beloved disciple and Peter. The two men rush to the empty tomb, and the beloved disciple is the first to reach the empty tomb. However, Peter is the first to enter. Um, In John 21, the last chapter of the Gospel of John, the beloved disciple is one of the seven fishermen involved in the miraculous catch of 153 fish. So that specific amount of fish. That's very, that's very interesting. And then also in the book's final chapter, after Jesus hints to Peter how Peter will die, Peter sees the the beloved disciple following them and asks, what about him? Jesus answers, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Which, cheeky. A little cheeky. Leave my boy alone. Um, Again, in the Gospels last chapter, it states that the very book itself is based on the written testimony of the disciple whom Jesus loved. Not very slick, John. Not very slick at all. Um, But um, none of the other Gospels has anyone in the parallel scenes that could be directly understood as a beloved disciple. For example, in Luke, uh, Peter alone runs to the tomb. And Mark, Matthew, and Luke don't mention any apostle witnessing the crucifixion. So it's like <laughs> they they all just secretly hated John, so they all just left him out of their. They space. were all very jealous of John, actually. <laughs> um, they were like, "We're just not going to put him in." Um, <laughs> um, but so mostly church tradition identifies the beloved disciple as John himself. But you know, other people can also say that this beloved disciple is also Lazarus, who's another apostle, Thomas. Mary Magdalene and even Judas, the disciple who betrayed Jesus, our man Jesus. Um, But so this I thought was so interesting. But so Jesus, when he performs his first miracle at Cana, he turns water into wine and it's at a wedding. But in John, when the Bible tells a story, it doesn't. um, But so the Bible tells a story in the John's book without ever naming who's getting married. So in medieval times, it was this rumor that it was John and Jesus's wedding that Jesus (laughs) performed this miracle at, that they are the bridal couple at this feast, which I'm like, that's kind of hot. It's a medieval (laughs) European tradition, which I love. Um, But so this as well, I thought it was very interesting. So there's a really, really early image of John and Jesus together. It's a 12th century miniature, and it's called The Calling of St. John, and it depicts two scenes. Christ coaxing the disciple John to leave his female bride and follow him. And then in the next one, there are like it's like two images on top of one another, so it's like the first scene and then like the afterwards. Um and John, and in the second scene, John is resting his head on Jesus's te- chest, and Jesus is cupping the chin of his beloved, which is an artistic artistic convention, which was like used to indicate romantic intimacy. Which hmm, interesting. that's interesting. And then the Latin text around it reads, "Get up, leave the breast of your bride, and rest on the breast of Lord Jesus." Which I'm like, Damn. All right. That's a little, Wait, what is it called? Um, it is called the Calling of Saint John. And it's a painting. It's a miniature. So I think it's like a mini painting. Um, but so this um picture, like this idea of 
John resting his head on Jesus's shoulder or like on his chest slash breast area, it becomes mm-hmm. gigantic. Like it's huge now. Um, it's like it's iconic now. It originated during the early 1300s in German convents in the Rhineland and Swabia, and these are like. Like, you know, like these are just like beautiful devotional images. Like you see them and it's intended to help you like deepen your relationship and your connection to Christ. Like it's supposed to make you emotional, all that stuff. Like, right. And like this pose, this subject, like this art style, it became known as Johannes Minna, which means love of John. And um, Minna is like a middle high German word for erotic emotional love. Mic drop. None of these people are chill. None of these people are chill. Like I said, (laughs) this is the 1300s. Literally. (laughs) This is the 1300s German word for erotic emotional love. Minna. I, I didn't do it. I didn't say it. That's not me. Um... Many of these images were actually created for women, not men to contemplate, which mm, I love that detail. Interesting. That detail is very funny to me. Um, <laughs> most, if not all, of the Johannes Minna statues were altarpieces for Dominican convents and nunneries. So it's mostly for the nuns. Go off. Go off. Um, Sister Plautilla Nelly. Um, she was born in 1524 and she died in 1588. She was a self-taught nun and an artist, and she was the first known female Renaissance painter of Florence. And she painted this huge rendition of The Last Supper. It is t- almost 23 feet long. It is oh my life God. size. It is almost as I did not know this. The original, like Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper, is bigger than that. It's longer than 23 feet. Wait, seriously? Yeah, I did not know that. I did not know that either. <laughs> Why is it so big? I don't know. Like for what? I want to see how big this is. Um but it's said that um Sister Plautilla Nelly, Sister Nelly's hers was life size. So it was like the size of people. Fit, uh dimensions is 51 feet 1 inch by 29 feet even. Oh my god. That is huge that is so big and for what literally why to be in like a church overlooking and for it to like i imagine being next to the last supper like i cannot i i can't imagine but so she painted a lot of stuff sister nelly um it was kind of recently found she painted in the 1560s and it is the only one of her signed works to survive but it is 23 like i said it's 23 feet long it's like six feet tall so, like I said, it's it's life size, and in it, Jesus is cradling John's head very, very tenderly in the same Johannes Minna pose that we were talking about. Like it's a little cheeky. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Um, and then as well, the idea that Jesus and his beloved disciple had a sexual relationship was also discussed as early as the um, 16th century when English playwright Christopher Marlowe, who was around the same time as Shakespeare, um, he was tried for blasphemy on the charge that claiming that St. John the Evangelist was bedfellow to Christ and leaned always in his bosom, that he used him as the sinners of Sodom, which that's, that's gay. Yeah, literally. It's literally gay. But so there's this late um, Bible 
theology professor. His name is Theodore Jennings. And he wrote this book called The Man Jesus Loved, Homoerotic Narratives from the New Testament, and said he finds the evidence inconclusive as to whether the beloved disciple was John, but it leaves no doubt that Jesus had a male lover, which he's like, yeah, I don't know if John was his guy, but he was gay. He was, but he did have a he guy. He did have a guy, which I thought it was so funny. <laughs> it reminded me of the same thing where it was like, um, I think it was like Achilles and Patroclus, where they were like, oh no, 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 they were fucking hundred percent. But who was the top and who was the bottom? <laughs> like we know they were fucking. That's a hundred percent. That's there's no there's doubt. no doubt in our minds. <laughs> um. And, you know, like, there's still art today that is created that is about, like, the idea that John and Jesus were lovers. Like, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the singer Sufjan Stevens. Like, he has a song called John, My Beloved. And it's, like, kind of about this idea where he compares, like, his relationships to John and Jesus and about how he's, like, a flawed person. Um, And so then there's uh this painting by, I think his name is Christopher Allwade all wage um and it's like they're all naked and it's like jesus being crucified and this crucifixion painting it shows a group of men reacting in various ways to the execution of their beloved jesus because all of the men that are in them uh, excuse me all the men that are in the painting are all figures of bible scholars believe may have had like relationships with jesus so like john's there like there are like a couple other men like lazarus is there too who also had a relationship with jesus um and i was going to talk about him this time as well but i was like you know there's so many other saints i could too like i'll do him another day um and it's as the beloved disciple, John kneels and throws his head back as he gazes up at Jesus on the cross. And he's like directly at Jesus's feet. Um, but it's a gorgeous painting. Like it's incredible. And yeah, that was pretty much everything that I had because I originally was going to have a bunch of saints. And I was like, you know what? Let me just <laughs> make my, make, let me just, cut, let me it just cut it down to make it a little bit easier for myself in this moment of time. Um, but it was very interesting. To learn about the saints, I gotta say, and whether or not. Yeah, thanks for telling thank us about you, them. whether or not they were real people or not. Honestly, that's the bigger question. Um, but thank you for listening. Thank you for hearing. But I will go pack now and let us say good night. Yeah. Our social media is our Instagram is at Queer Culture Podcast, and our Twitter is at Queer Culture. Um, my Instagram is da 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 Domenica, and my Twitter is underscore Caraflower. And my Instagram and Twitter are always the same. It's Ancharkist, A-N-S-H-A-R-K-I-S-T. Alrighty. Thank you again for listening. Share this with a friend. Share this with your Nana. Share this with, <laughs> share this with your, um, Share this with your Irish Catholic relatives. Yes, with your Irish Catholic relatives. They'll love it. They will love They'll it. Love it. They will love it. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> Show this to your pastor. Yes. They'll love it, too. I know that. They always want some new knowledge. <laughs> but thank you for tuning in. Have an amazing 
New Year because this will be yeah. oh my god this will be coming right before the New Year. Um, I don't even want to try and make a prediction for 2022 because we will be wrong. We will be wrong. Yeah. Alrighty. <laughs> well, have a good one, Corey. Have a good one, you everybody. Too. Have a good time in North Carolina. Thank you. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I'm excited to be down there, see my friend, yeah. see her family too. Her family's great, and I am excited. Alrighty. Have a good day, everybody. We will see you later, and goodbye. Goodbye.